Greetings Blood Bowlers and welcome to the All or Nuffle podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Blood Bowl. Greetings Blood Bowlers and welcome back to the second ever episode of the All or Nuffle podcast. Now, I appreciate you might be a little bit confused actually at seeing this episode and the title of it and what we're going to be talking about because in the first ever episode... I told you the next episode would be a Skaven Spotlight with a guest host in the form of my friend Gav. Uh, and that is still going to happen. However, today, um, Thursday, at the time of recording, I had a little bit of extra time, the house to myself, nice and quiet. So I figured I'd squash in the first ever Team Spotlight episode and we'll talk about my favourite team, the Wood Elves. So don't worry. For you Skaven guys out there, there is definitely still going to be a Skaven Spotlight um, being recorded this Saturday. It may be available for you guys Saturday evening. Uh, pro- I'll probably leave it and publish it Sunday morning. Uh, but yeah, th- rest assured that's still coming. I just figured an extra little bonus episode while I can get one in. And as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about the Wood Elves. Um, just a quick overview, we're going to talk about the team in general, um, we're going to speak about each individual positional um, and lineman and all that business and the cost of them as well as cost of re-rolls and what skills they have access to and all that business. Um, and then I'll talk through some of the starting rosters that I have not used them all. I have a very particular way that I do mine, but I, I I've seen all of them. Have success is what I'm trying to get at. So, without further ado, let's start talking about the Woodies. The Woodies are kind of in the same school of Skaven, in the sense that everyone kind of rolls your eye, their eyes when you tell them that you play them, because they are really good. They're re- they are high up there on the meta. They're a really good team. Um, they have their, you know, their weaknesses... And there are teams out there that can just absolutely undo them. But generally, they're just really well-performing teams. Um, As you would imagine, the same way with any fantasy setting, elves are not necessarily the strongest in terms of, like, you know, how much damage they can take or they're not hardy, but they're super fast. And that rule applies... In Blood Bowl, the very same as it would in all other fantasy settings. So, Wood Elves are one of those teams that, my playstyle at least, is if I'm playing against a team that I cannot match in strength, um, they've got a couple of strength four players, um, I will almost always avoid getting into base contact so that I, only one of my guys can get hit that turn You know, from the blitz action. Um, obviously sometimes you cannot avoid it you want to stop people from being able to move and stuff so you, you have to grin and bear it and and take potentially two and three dice blocks against your guys but generally they're the kind of team that you will not be gunning for physical contact with your opponent's team um, some positions more than others uh, but the general idea for me and the way I play it is I play very cautiously I like to sit back a little bit Especially if I'm in possession of the ball, I like to sit back and let my opponent move around. And then hopefully my opponent is going to 
unknowingly leave me an alley or a gap for me to be able to take advantage of with the Wood Elf speed. Now, just because they're fast does not mean that they always they, they, they're always good at scoring. Every single team in this game is susceptible to rolling ones when you're doing your rushes or you go for it, should I say, um, and falling flat on the face. Despite having a 2-plus agility across the board, they're still more than capable of rolling ones when dodging out into the open and falling on the face. Um, they can still fail catching passes. They can fail at throwing passes and all that business like... They do still have their weaknesses in the same way that every other team does. It's just that they're a little bit better at the more agility-esque stuff in the game. So, yeah, they're not a strong team. You you will. It is very rare that even with, even if you take a tree man, because what else can take a, a big guy a tree man? I would be very surprised, even with a tree man, if you're board wiping an opponent you it's very rare you're gonna have like four five six of your opponent's players knocked out and are in the injury box with wood elves it just it could happen obviously it's not impossible in the same way that it's not impossible for wood elves to make mistakes and roll ones and be bad at things but i would be very surprised um they're very much a kind of team where they force you to be reactive. Reactive playing is what I call it, and it is very much what I described a little bit ago. Of I'm going to set up in a position that I think is safe, let my opponent make all the big decisions, and then I'm going to react to his decisions, like where he moves, where he doesn't move, like where he commits to blocks and blitzes and things like that. And then you can use that template afterwards. Right, my opponent's played his hand. How can I expose that hand that is played? Like that that's there might be people out there who go toe to toe with their opponents with Wood Elves and and try to turn it into a smashing match. And you can definitely do that. If you're playing um a team that's equal in strength, like there are plenty of teams out there that have strength free across the board like Wood Elves, um, that you could go toe to toe with. But generally, as safe practice, I like to keep as many people alive as possible. So I will always almost always lean to reactive play um it's only if i were playing a team that's got a lot of strength to things um that i would maybe be a little bit more punchy with my playstyle. for example if i were playing snotlings you've got your two um your two trolls if i avoid those everybody else on the team is strength too so then i would probably be a little bit more aggressive with my play but again, this is one of those things in Blood Bowl that is always going to come down to personal opinion. You end of day, I'm I can give you advice, I can tell you what I think is best, but ultimately you can take anything you want and play with them however you want. So please don't think that this is the gospel and what I say is, you know, absolutely how you should do Blood Bowl. Absolutely not. If it works, if you manage to ignore everything I say and it works for you, then I was wrong and your opinion's right. It's all about perspective and it's all relative to yourself. So let's move on to speak about the positions of the Wood Elf team and talk about, we're going to speak about the cost of them, we're going to go through the characteristics, some of the traits, and then we'll talk about some of the skills they have access to when it comes to developing those players in a league setting. Naturally, the unsung hero 
of every Blood Bowl team. And it's also the unsung hero of every NFL team in the real world. The the first to get blamed, the last to get recognition. We are talking about the lineman, the Wood Elf lineman. You can take between 0 and 12 of these guys, so you, you're limited to between 0 and 12, so you could have your entire team be linemen if you wanted to. They're going to set you back 70,000 gold each. This is assuming that we're building a team of a million gold. Some people do house rule things a little bit higher. I've done it before. I do sometimes like to play at um, 1.150. One, one, no, 1. Um, just allows people to take some extra stuff that can make it a bit more fun. But in a competitive setting, you will generally stick to the million. Anyway, so yeah, 0 to 12 Wood Elf linemen. They're going to set you back 70k apiece, which is slightly above average for a lineman. Um in Blood Bowl, uh, I think, I think it's the Imperial Nobility that have is it sixty k linemen, so it's not expensive, um, but it's it's a little bit more than what you can pay for for other teams. But for your seventy k, you are getting a movement seven linemen. Movement seven, just to put into perspective for you, the highest movement in the game is nine in the form of gutter runners. Then the more, which I think they're the only ones that have nine, um, and then the second one, the more the more popular higher movement for faster players is your eight, and then seven. the The most common movement across the board is probably six. Um, I know that the highest movement on the dwarf team is the runner at six. I think the entire um, human team barring. The catchers is six. Six is kind of like the, the the middle point. So if you want to judge whether a player's got good movement, six, it's all right. It's 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 kind of where you need it to be. Less than that, you kind of need to start planning for their moves a turn in advance. To if you you know if if you're wanting to move them quite a distance, it's going to take you a couple of turns. So you want to be thinking ahead a little bit. Whereas then you've got your sevens, your eights, and obviously your nines in the forms of gutter runner. They're just, you don't even have to worry about them. You you just know that they're going to be able to get where you want them to get. So that is probably where your cost of 70k comes in to justify that, you know, that movement seven. Then we've got strength free. Strength free is very much like the movement six. It is the bog standard across the board in Blood Bowl. Um, smaller stuff gets less than two and bigger, uh, less than three, sorry. And bigger stuff gets more than three. Um, a lot of like medium sized guys get four, and then your big guys like your ogres and your trolls and your treemen get five, and I believe there's even some sixes, sixes in there. Yeah, I'm looking right now. The tree man for um, the wood elves is actually six, to be fair. So, yeah, you've got real good movement, average strength, but another reason that you're paying that cost is you have got agility two plus. So you are pretty much moving out into the open away from opposing players and only ever failing on a one which i did mention can happen obviously anything can happen when you're playing a dice game but two plus agility is fantastic that means that like i say you're dodging away from players into the open on a two plus um you're catching the ball on a two plus as long as there's no minuses from like distance throws and stuff you're picking the ball off uh, up on a two plus you're receiving handoffs on a two plus as long as you're not being marked or anything, if all those things I've just mentioned are taking part, are taking place in the open, you are only ever failing on a one. Obviously, there are certain minus modifiers for if you're marked when you commit some of those actions, but if all those actions are taking part, are taking place, sorry, in the open, 
you are only ever going to fail on a two. And that's your lineman. That's not a positional, that's a lineman. So the thing here is the 70k for movement 7 and agility 2 plus is fantastic. Uh, the next skill is passing ability. See, this might surprise people, but we're going for a passing ability of 4 plus. These are not the people you want passing the Bollywood Elves. You do not, I mean, they can. If you're doing some really short passes that aren't any minus modifiers, a 4 plus is not a terrible role to attempt. It's essentially 50 50. But you don't want to be leaning on these, these guys to do all of your passing. So, as you'll see when we speak through the throwers, which are the next positional, you want to use every other position on this team to support and protect the passers and then help them do the running, uh, the throwing, sorry. Now, you see, a lineman can absolutely be the target of a pass because, as we saw with the 2 plus agility, it's only ever going to fail on a 1. So it can definitely be the target for a pass. I mean, like I say, if it's not marked or anything, it's catching the ball on a 2 plus. And then it's got movement 7, so if you ping it up the field, it's got a good chance of scoring with its movement of 7 after catching it. Um, and then the final characteristic for the Wood Elf is 8 plus armour value. And this is where wood elves can come undone 8 plus armor is not very good um it's not the weakest i think there is some seven seven plus out there maybe with some snotlings or stuff but it's definitely at the lower end in terms of strength when it comes to armor um, and this is where when i was saying keeping your guys away from your opponents guys especially if they're stronger is going to come in handy because all it takes is for your guys to your, your opponent to get a two dice block against any of your guys because your entire team, barring the tree man, is eight plus armor across the board. All it takes is a two dice block and a pow, and all they've got to roll to break your armor is an eight on two dice. That's all they need. It's that's right, and you know it's the one of those teams you you you're not you're not designed to go toe to toe with people. You're not designed to take the fight to people. You're designed to sort of like run past them. Uh, but again, you can play however you want. Uh, so you would have linemen when it comes to developing uh, them during league play or even indeed in tournaments. Um, their primary skills are agility and general uh, with their secondary skills being strength. They've got absolutely no access to passing skills and obviously no access to mutations so just for anybody that isn't aware what this means is primary skills when you play in a league your players can earn essentially experience that in blood bowl they call star player points and then once they earn enough they can spend them to buy new skills if you're buying a skill from the primary section uh, i.e. an agility or a general skill of your player, it's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than to buy a secondary skill. Um, I think the first primary skill costs 6 SPP, and I think the first secondary costs you 12. So it's it's literally double. Um, and the reason for this is like, obviously it's a wood elf, so it's going to be agile. Um, it's got access to general. 
But although it has the potential to be strong, it, the, the game wants it to be more difficult for you to access those strength skills, um, hence why they cost more. So yeah, you've got your primary skills that you can access, um, agility and general ones, and secondary of strength. So that is the lineman. A good lineman, really. The, the cost is high, but the cost is justified. Uh, the reason we didn't talk about any skills or anything for the Wood Elf lineman is because they come with nothing. There is no skills or traits at all. We moved straight on from armor onto primary and secondary options for development because there are no skills whatsoever. So the next position on the Wood Elf team is the thrower. You can take a maximum of two and they're going to set you back 95k each, which is expensive, but these are the guys that are going to be the workhorses for scoring. These are the guys that you want. Now, controversially, I very rarely take any more than one, and people that will be thinking, that is absolute insanity. What if you're playing in a league and that one thrower gets killed, you're without a thrower... And you're right, you're absolutely right, but I do find that dropping that extra thrower allows me to be able to get more catches or even save towards an extra war dancer. Um, and then I just protect the hell out of that one catcher. Um, and I'm going to touch some wood. Up to this point, throughout the three leagues they've played in and been champions of and the two tournaments they've played in and won... Um, the Wood Elf catcher, the one I take, has never been killed. It's been knocked out once or twice for a drive or two, but it's never been killed. Um, so I'm going to knock on wood again because I really don't want that to happen. Um, so for your 95k for a catcher, you're going to get movement 7 again, which is obviously we know is pretty average for a Wood Elf team, but across the board is really high. Um, you're going to get strength 3 again. Again, across the board, pretty average. 2 plus agility, as I said, the entire team is picking up the ball. Um catching the ball, dodging away from opponents on a 2+, as long as all those actions partake in the open. And this is where this guy comes in clutch, with a passing ability of 2+. Now, the distance of a pass that you make in Blood Bowl does determine if there are any minus modifiers. So, the range tool that you use for measuring your passes in Blood Bowl is split into four sections. If the pass you're trying to make it's only the distance of the first section. There's no minus modifier. It's just off your the throwing player's passing ability. So in this case, would be a two plus. If you're throwing um, to something to a target that's within the second zone, that will be a pass um, at a minus one. So the thrower would actually be achieving it on a three plus instead, um, and so on and so forth. Um, you get a minus two, minus three. Um, so the absolute worst, without taking into account any marking or anything like that, like let's just assume that you're throwing from in the open, the absolute worst that a Wood Elf thrower is throwing on is a 5+, plus, which, considering that's for the maximum distance throw, is not bad at all. It's not bad. Uh, and then when you get a couple of skills, like there's a skill Cannoneer, which reduces modifiers for... Um, long uh, long passes and long bombs, which are the minus two and minus three modifier, you bring that down to a minus two and a minus one, meaning the worst you can do is a four plus. So, absolutely fantastic. The, like, the, the absolute best thrower in the game, by far. Um, 
Onto armor value, as I said, the entire team has got eight plus across the board. We spoke about um, what's good and bad about this with the linemen. That applies to absolutely everybody on the team, barring the tree man. So another reason that the passer is a little bit of an unsung, not an unsung hero, but is an absolute monster, is not only has it got the two plus pass, it comes as standard with this skill pass. And what the skill pass allows you to do is let's just say you want to make a pass and there's a minus one modifier to it, meaning you need to make a pass on a three plus, you roll a two. Oh no, you don't have to spend a precious team re-roll to be able to re-roll that when you've got the pass skill. The pass skill gives you a free re-roll when you fail a passing ability without the need to use a team re-roll, which is just brilliant. So... I mean, two chances to make a three-plus roll is... You, your chances are pretty good, aren't they? You're not, you're not going to... It can fail, but you would feel pretty good about having two cracks at being able to make a three-plus roll. So pass is an absolute must skill on all throwers in the game. If you're playing any team that's got a positional named a thrower and they don't already start with pass, give it them as soon as possible. So let's move on to what skills they can access. However, I'm going to take a quick sip of my coffee, if you don't mind. Just give me a second. Ah, there we go. So, your two throwers that you can take will have primary access to agility, general passing, which makes sense, and then the secondary of strength. So that's kind of identical to the lineman's um, progression abilities, except with it being a thrower, their primary includes passing. So yeah, the you you it's the similar sort of rule. You want your passer to be to be fast uh, and slick, and you want him to be good at passing. And then secondary would uh, your the secondary thought would probably be, and I want to make him a bit stronger. So. It, it works out. It works out all right, don't it? You, if you're playing wood elves, you want your team to be fast. You want your team to be to be able to outrun your opponent. So you're gonna and we being a thrower, you want it to be able to throw the ball. So you're gonna want agility, general, and passing as the primary skills. And then let's face it, a little bit further down the line in a league, if you've got all the the AGP skills you want, you might have some spare SPP to start spending on some secondaries, which in this case would be strength. So, let's have a quick look. I do apologise, guys. I'm just adjusting my light. Um, next, we have got Wood Elf Catchers. So, these are a little bit of a point of contention for me because the Catchers are great. They're fantastic. You can take four, zero to four. They cost you 90k each. And they are movement 8, which, as we know, is, as I've explained, is a little bit above average for a Wood Elf team. And in the whole scope of Blood Bowl, it's fantastic. Movement 8 is great. The downside to this is they are strength 2, which means that the largest portion of Blood Bowl players, i.e. not the human players, the, pl the players in the game, that are strength 3, would always get a two dice block against them. I mean, you have got the extra movement to stay away from people, um, which is good, always useful, but these are the players that if you take them, you want to be really careful with. 
because these are the guys that are going to have the most opportunities to have two dice, but even even three dice blocks against them. And as we know, the Wood Elf team is eight plus armor across the board. So plenty of opportunities for your opponent to break that eight plus if they're getting that many two dice blocks against them. However, as we know, two plus agility across the board. Obviously, this is good for all the same reasons I've explained for the other guys. We've got passing ability a 4 plus again because this guy's not a thrower and as we know 8 plus armor. So the key things that stand out here is we've got the extra movement but the extra movement is costing us, um, the one extra movement compared to the rest of the team sorry, is costing us um, one of our strength, taking us down to 2. So it's got some skills um, and it's got a skill that will actually help it become more survivable so it kind of... It kind of takes away the sting a little bit of that being reduced to two strength. It's got the dodge skill. And the dodge is multifaceted. It's essentially when you're being blocked, the result on a dice that is like a pow with an exclamation mark, the defender stumbles at result. If you get that against a play with dodge, they get to ignore the pow and treat it as a pushback. So there is a little extra bit of survivability there. Obviously, the other aspect of dodge is that if you fail a dodge roll you get a free re-roll um so yeah it does it does have that little bit of survivability uh thanks to dodge but it strength two st does still sting um and the other skill it's got as you can expect with it being a catcher it's got the catch skill and catch is essentially a copy and paste skill of pass however instead of when doing a passing throw it's about catching the ball and pick uh, not picking the ball up and receiving handoffs sorry um if you need to roll to uh, receive a handoff or catch a ball and you fail it if you've got the catch skill you get a free re-roll um, as for primaries and secondaries your catchers have got access to AG so agility and general as primaries and then passing and secondaries as uh, passing and strength as secondaries sorry which you know I kind of get you know AG is always going to be the main thing that you're going to see as primaries on wood elves Um I can't ever really see me putting a passing skill on a catcher or a war dancer. Um, but at least if it's in the secondary and you've got enough SPP, you've got the option is there for you to do that if you wanted to. So, I, you know, I kind of get it. And here we are, we move on to the absolute all-star, superstar, all-round menace of the war... The, I nearly, I nearly leaked the name of it earlier then of the Wood Elf team you can take 0 to 2 of these guys and we are talking about the War Dancers these are the most expensive player on the team, even more expensive than the Tree Man that we're going to talk about next these come in at a massive 125k each and as we spoke about at the beginning, if you're playing with a 1 million budget, 2 of those guys is going to set you back a quarter of your budget straight away but these guys are well worth it. We're talking movement 8, strength 3. So we've got the extra movement of the catcher without the minus without the minus to a strength. 2 plus agility as standard across the board on Wood Elves. 4 plus passing, which you know for non-passing, no non-thrower players on a Wood Elf team is pretty normal. They do still only have the 8 plus armor. However, this is the first blodger that we're going to speak about. And a blodger is a nickname for a player that has the block skill and the dodge skill. 
So as we know, the dodge skill I said, you get to ignore a certain dice result that would usually see you knocked down and treat it as a pushback instead. Well, block kind of does the same, except you don't get pushed back, you just stay stood up in place. So there are two instances on dice rolls where you can stop yourself from being knocked down. Literally, against a blodger, the only way you're getting those guys down is if you roll the pow rather than the both down or the defender stumbles. You, you've you got to knock them down. You can't rely on any of the other ones that would usually knock somebody down unless they've got a, You've got to knock them straight down. They ignore all the other dice, the, the dice stuff, thanks to block and dodge. Um, so that, for me, the extra movement, um, the two-plus agility... And the fact they have block and dodge is why they cost 125k. But trust me, these are the guys that you want to max out on your team as soon as possible. They're an absolute nightmare. People hate them. Um, they do have one more skill in the form of leap. Um, and leap is a really good skill because not a lot of people, one, know about it, two, know what it does, and three, not many people play against it. So they're not very prepared for it. Leap is in Blood Bowl. You can jump over prone players. Um, to be able to, you know, if they're blocking the path, you can jump over them at an agility roll. However, the leap skill allows you to jump over empty squares randomly or even standing players. So with the right dice rolls and the right setup, you can just jump straight over your opponent's line and run straight into their backfield. It's phenomenal. I've had it work a couple of times. It has it has gone wrong plenty of times, but the times where it's worked has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, it's a massively underrated skill. I just can't understand why more people don't take it when it doesn't just come as standard. Um, so your war dancers, your super expensive war dancers, are going to come in with primaries of agility in general, as expected, and they're going to have the secondary of passing and strength, just like the catchers. Again, this makes perfect sense. I don't really understand the need for passing as a secondary. However, if people did want to develop more players to be able to do some passing, you know, to to make the team more versatile. I get it. It's not for me, but I get why they would put that there for people that might want to do that. So we are down to one player left to speak about on this team. Uh, you can only take one of these guys, and we are talking about the Lauren Forest tree man. Coming in at 120k, yes, you heard that right, it's five grand cheaper than the War Dancers, because the War Dancers are just that badass. Only movement two which I think is this guy's biggest downfall, personally, because the times when I've taken the Lauren Forest Tree Man, he spends the entire time in the middle of the pitch, not really doing much other than like being a bit of a roadblock, which is good, which is good, but if you have an opponent who becomes wise to that and, and doesn't buy into it, you have got a very expensive player not doing very much. Um, he is strength six, which is the highest in the game. Um, it's very unlikely that he's he's not going to get two dice blocks against against pretty much anything. Um, so that's you know you're paying for the the strength, um, and you got the low movement because it's literally got the highest strength in the game. It's got an agility five plus, so you're not going to be wanting to pick the ball up with this guy. You're not going to be wanting to throw the ball to him and have him roll to catch it. You're not going to want to have him dodging out or anything like that. This is not the type of player to be doing anything that involves anything quick and nimble. Five plus, the as soon as you get a, a modifier, a minus modifier, you're talking sixes only. 
Um, so yeah, and quite similarly, his passing ability is also 5+. plus. So not only is he not going to be catching the ball, he ain't going to be throwing it either. Um, although his second ability that, a second characteristic, sorry, that really justifies him, he's got the highest armor in the game. 11 plus on 2d6 to break his armor. So for 120k, we've got movement 2, strength 6, agility 5, passing 5, but armor 11 plus. He's, you, you've got to roll really well to kill him. Um, and that's only made more difficult by uh, some of his skills. Let's talk through some of his skills. As he's a big guy, he gets the loner 4 plus skill. Essentially, this means that because he's not the same race as the team is playing for, because he's not an elf, um, he's not really that interested about the team. So you kind of have to roll a d6 and beat whatever's in the brackets. For example, this one is, as I said, loner 4 plus. You've got to beat that um, with a d6 before you can use a team reroll to be able to reroll something that he's failed at. Um, it doesn't come up too often because I'm kind of scared of loner, so I don't. I try not to use rerolls on big guys with it anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it, it makes sense, uh, but I just I kind of avoid it. The next skill he's got is Mighty Blow plus one, and this is a fantastic skill, which with, with strength six as well makes him a killing machine. So not only is he getting two and three dice blocks on stuff because he's got strength six, when he does and he gets to make armor rolls, he can add a plus one to anything he rolls for armor. That's just insane. So let's just say he's attacking somebody with... Um, now he needs to roll 9 plus to break somebody's armor. If he uses his mighty blow, it becomes 8 plus. But you have to say, um, before you're rolling a dice, whether you're going to apply the mighty blow to the... Um... No, I think that might be an old addition. Uh, yeah, if you don't need it for the armor, you then can apply it to the injury instead. Um that might be wrong. I'm not sure if you have to declare it before you roll anything so that you can't just like save it for the injury. It, you know, I think you have to declare it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm stuck in a bit of a brain loop there. Um, so we've got stand firm as well, which means if your opponent blocks you and they get a pushback result, you can just straight up refuse to be pushed back. It is your choice. If you don't want to use stand firm, you can allow your player to be pushed back, which sometimes you might do because it might be advantageous to board control and things like that. But you have the opportunity to say, ah, uh -uh. I'm not going anywhere. We've got strong arm, which means it gets a plus one to pass in when throwing teammates. Take root is this guy's skill that is very similar to bonehead um, and very stupid that some of the other big guys have. However, this guy's is a lot better. Take root, you have to roll. If you roll, but before, when he activates, if you roll a one, his roots have grown into the ground and he can't move anywhere at all. The only time he becomes unrooted is if he gets knocked over and stands back up like his roots have been ripped out of the ground. The good thing about this is, although he's stuck in place, and this is part of the reason why he does become a bit of a roadblock in the middle of the pitch, the reason that this is not so bad is because he can still hit people that are in his tackle zone. So if somebody's close enough for him to hit and he doesn't have to move, he can still hit them, and he doesn't lose his tackle zone. So although he might not be able to move, you're still getting a player that's strength six who he's going to be a real roadblock because if he's stuck in place and your opponent's players can still get hit by him if they get close, they're going to avoid him at all costs. So, you know, it's expensive. It's kind of something that I, I get later league is a tree man because 
if you have a couple of games where he gets rooted, you've spent 120k, just have him in the middle, stopping people from going there. Do you know what I mean? Which it is good. It does work, and it's a solid tactic. But it's such a versatile team, is what else that you know you'd rather spend 120k or put 120k towards getting that second war dancing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and the final skill he's got is throw teammate. However, with him being on the Wood Elf team, he can't actually throw any any of his teammates. I think this is just a copy and paste job from the tree man that can play for halflings that can throw the halflings down the pitch. Um, so yeah, we've gone through every position. We've covered the lineman, we've covered the thrower, we've covered the catcher, war dancer, and the tree man. Um, we need to talk about rerolls. Um, you'll be surprised that. They actually have really cheap team rerolls, so you can take zero to eight as you can with any team. Um, and their rerolls are only fifty k. I only ever play with, on average, sorry, I only really play with two rerolls. So when I'm building a Wood Elf roster, I just buy my reroll straight away. I know I want to. It's only going to cost me a hundred k, and then I can build my team round everything else. And you can, you would be surprised. We're going to speak about some of the, the rosters you can take in just a moment, and you will be very surprised. Um, Wood Elves are Tier 1, as we spoke about in the last episode, what the tier system means. That means that they're the very top out of three. Um, special Rules, Elven Kingdoms, League. What the Special Rules section on the team page in the rulebook means is when you get to the star player pages, it will tell you what teams they can play for. So any star player that's got plays for Elven Kingdoms League, that means that they can play for that team. Uh, and it also says here that they have access to an Apothecary, because some teams don't. A lot of the undead teams get a uh, Necromancer instead of an Apothecary. So that's a quick, well, not a quick rundown, we'll be talking about for like nearly half an hour. Um, that's a rundown of the Wood Elf team by position, um, what each one does price cost all that business we a little bit i have kind of just literally read it off the page but i've i've sprinkled in a little bit of analysis and some opinion in there so now we've gone through each one of the players let's talk about how we can build a team and the first roster i'm going to speak about is one that i have never been brave enough to use <laughs> um but it's one that is shouted about on the internet. And I think the guys at Bonehead Podcast gave it the name Two Dance, Two Reroll. Um, and it kind of stuck because I think everyone kind of refers to it now. And that is essentially where your team will consist entirely of two war dancers, nine linemen, and two rerolls. Now, I don't actually remember the cost of this just off the top of my head let's have a quick look i do have some software open on my laptop here where we can work that out really quick um so two re-rolls two war dancers and a crap ton of linemen let's take a look oh it's taking a little while to load my prediction is that this is going to come in at about nine, nine eighty, nine nine thousand, nine hundred eighty thousand around that. Oh, perfect! Nine, literally nine eighty. So, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm pretty impressed that I, I thought of that off the top of my head. So, your your lineup is two war dancers and nine linemen, um, with two rerolls, and that leaves you with twenty k spare to spend. So you could put some of that into dedicated fans. Or um, 
some assistant coaches or cheerleaders. This is not a lineup I would take. It's a perfectly solid lineup, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. However, as much as I love the idea of having two war dancers, the lack of catchers and throwers and the passing aspect of the game, which I've said before, is my favourite part about Wood Elves, is just too absent from it. But it's a solid lineup. I can see why people use it. I've absolutely no doubt that it works. So you know, if you want to, if you play, already play Wood Elves, and you want to give it a go or something different. There's that. Um, or if you're you're new and you're not sure what to uh, which sort of setup to play, if that appeals to you, then go for it. Just gonna take a quick drink of my coffee, guys. So let's talk about a different setup, and this is kind of this is my setup. This is the one that I will always build for a, if I'm starting a new Wood Elf team for a league. Or for a tournament, this is the one I'll build. It's kind of, it gives you the best of everything. Um, it's it gives you the best mixture of all the different positions. So we're talking one dancer, so one war dancer, one thrower, two catchers, seven linemen, two rerolls. Now I am fairly certain. I am fairly certain that that if I my memory serves me right. I think that that is also 980k in terms of team budget. Let's take a quick look. Two catchers. Uh, and a thrower. Oh, no. So that one, the one that we've just spoke about, with one war dancer, two catchers, a thrower, and seven linemen, and two re-rolls, is actually going to be 990k. So it's a little bit more expensive than the other one. Uh, however, you do still have 10k left over to put into some assistant coaches, cheerleaders, dedicated fans, all that business. This is the one. The reason I like this one so much is because you start off with a little bit of everything. So from this point, if you wanted... Five games into a league, if you've got some treasury to buy some new players, you could buy that extra war dancer, or you could buy a third catcher, or a second thrower. You've got the building blocks for any way that you want to play already in place when you play with this with this roster, and that is why I like it. Admittedly, I go down the same route every time. I always go down the passing route, so I get an extra war dancer, give both my war dancers catch, so that I've essentially got four people with a catch skill. I absolutely annihilate my thrower with throwing skills i give them um i like to give them nerves of steel i give them accurate i give them cannoneer all those things to make it so that they avoid minus modifiers when passing to make them as good as possible this is my template this is the one i always go for there is more and um, but and you don't have to go with this one just because i'm saying so but this is the one that i like the best let's have a look what is the next one i have written it down here uh, ah, yeah, there we go. So this one um, is very similar to the uh, first one with all the linemen because you are going to have nine linemen, but instead of having two war dancers, you have a war dancer and a thrower. So nine linemen, a war dancer, a thrower, 
and three rerolls. The fact that you've replaced one of the war dancers with a thrower means that you've saved some money to be able to afford an extra reroll. This is a really good one um, because not only do you get the extra reroll, three rerolls is fantastic. You've got the the very bare bones capability of passing. You've got a thrower who you can throw some skills on to make them even better at passing. You've got a war dancer who is already good at catching because he's agility 2+, plus. but if you throw the catch skill on him, he becomes even better. So this is kind of a way. The, the last one that we spoke about was where you get catch and a bit of everything to be able to develop how you want. This is a way to be able to do that a little bit slower, but you get that extra reroll. A lot of people get hung up on rerolls, and I can totally understand people sacrificing other positionals in exchange for another reroll. So this, yeah, this is if you want to be a little bit less gung ho into, you know, developing the team. Oh, sorry, if you want to be um, less direct, is probably the way that I'd put it in developing your team, then this is a good one. This is a good way to go. You've got the safety of the extra re-roll, you've got the capability to pass, and then you can always buy catchers further down the line, but you can soup up that one war dancer you've got with a catch skill, um, even give him nerves of steel so he's not catching on a minus modifier, things like that, and then you throw her, again, cannoneer, accurate. Oh, there's a helicopter flying over my house, anyway. Um, cannoneer, accurate, things like that, and you've already got the perfect link-up for a passing game. The only problem is, because you're only sitting at one of each, if either of them get injured, you're playing with a team full of linemen the next game. Because, let's just say, both your war dancer and your throw got injured. You have to, When you take journeymen, they have to be linemen, so your next game would be entirely a full team of linemen. However, you would have three rerolls. So, this one's a little bit more risky for me. However, it definitely, definitely has a place in the game, and... I can totally understand why people take it. Um, another one is for the dark and dangerous and risky people out there. And that is not me. I am not that type of person. But for those of you who have no fear and are more than happy and more than capable of playing with only one single re-roll, this one is for you. So, one re-roll. Seven linemen, one catcher, one thrower, two war dancers. Now, I can totally understand, based on the stats we talked about for the War Dancer and how crazy they are, I can totally understand somebody wanting to sacrifice a catcher and a reroll for an extra War Dancer. Because you've got to realise, this is basically the exact same one as the positional spread one that I said, where we get um, a War Dancer, two catchers, a thrower, seven linemen, two rerolls. It's the exact same, however, we've dropped a reroll and a catcher to be able to afford that extra War Dancer. This team is fantastic. Seven linemen. We know the linemen are fast. We know that they, they're, they're strong enough to you know to be able to take on other strength-free players. The catcher, it's fast. It's good at catching the ball. The thrower, we know what that can do. Two war dancers. Fantastic. This team is amazing. If you could somehow afford a second re-roll and keep this team, it would unequivocally be the single best starting roster for Wood Elves in all of Blood Bowl, bar none. But for me, one re-roll is just far too risky. I, I I play at two and sometimes take three. I've very rarely been brave enough to go down to two. But if you're a bit of a maverick and you want to give it a go, by all means, it's still a very, very solid roster. <clears throat> so, let's have a quick look. Do I have one more? Um... 
No, I don't actually. I do apologise. That is them all. The uh, the scary one reroll one was the absolute final one. Um, so just to quickly recap on those, for me, although I did say at the time, the absolute best one is the positional spread. The one where you get war one, war, war one, one war dancer, one thrower, two catchers, seven linemen, and two rerolls. You get the safety of the two rerolls that I'm more comfortable with. You get two catchers, um, which are fantastic. Um, you get the single thrower, which is all I ever play with anyway, and you get your one war dancer. Couple of games in, if you have some high scoring games, you will be able to afford that second war dancer, and this team becomes an absolute animal. Keep those guys alive for another couple of games, win some games, get some high-scoring games, you've got your tree man. You can take one of your linemen off and use him as a sub, bang your tree man in, and you have got everything you need to succeed, in my opinion. You could want... Some people are... And maybe I'm a little bit stupid for only playing with one thrower. You might want to buy an extra thrower or you catch it, but that's what the league play system's all about. You can decide what your team needs as you go along. So, just a quick summary then. Not on the, the rosters, but on Wood Elves in general. What we've figured out is they've got some really expensive positionals. However, those costs are massively justified. Um, they're a super, super fast competitive team. There are some teams that can go against that they can go toe-to-toe with. But again, as I've explained... Um, it's not for me. <laughs> it might be for you guys, and if you've heard anything this video, or sorry, this podcast, that's made you think, nah, I'm not bothered, I'm going to give it a go, by all means, go for it, and I hope you have all the success in the world. I hope you absolutely nail your opponent's, t- uh, your opponent's teammates. Um, but yeah, we're talking right now the absolute best touchdown scorers in the game, probably joint first with Skaven. Um, and they do it by passing, which is even better. Skaven do it by running and scuttling about being little pussies. Um, but you know us wood elves we do it by with some flair um so yeah if you are interested in a team that is fast and can score fast and is great at evading your opponent um and you're not too fussed about getting involved in the nitty-gritty trench business of smashing into people and all that wood elves are the absolute perfect team for you definitely and i urge you to give them a go so that has been the very first team spotlight. Now, Wood Elves are my favourite team, so I may have babbled and and gone on and on and on. If I have, I apologise profusely. Um, although you will probably hear less of me in the next one because we are going to be talking about Skaven this Saturday. Um, as I say, the episode this Saturday may come to you Saturday evening um, or probably... I'll probably leave it till Sunday morning. We're going to be talk, doing exactly what we've just done for this episode um but we're going to do it about skaven uh, i'm going to have gav my friend who is a skaven coach he's going to be on board he's going to be talking as passionately as i have the tin today's episode about skaven tell us all the things about them what they're good at all that business and yeah i'm really looking forward to it so thank you very much for listening to this wood elf ted talk and i look forward to seeing you all for the skaven spotlight this saturday or sunday Until then, guys, you take care, and thank you very much for listening.